All right, this one's for all the bacon. Yep. <clears throat> if we don't get this one right, we get fired. Yeah. All right, boys. Um, this is our last bumper that we are recording before we're kind of caught up at this stage of our recording these episodes. After this, we kind of realized that people would actually potentially be listening to this show, that we had a home, and we uh, so we aren't going to be doing these bumpers. I know you guys are going to miss them, mm-hmm. but... I just, I got to do with this last one. So I'm going to hit the greatest hits. So, you know, the biggest classic patreon.com slash talk film society. Love this one. Yes. This is a classic. I know we're opening with the hit. It's yep. like uh ACDC coming out straight with back and black. This is like opening with inner Sandman. Man. It's like opening with inner Sandman. Uh, we are, we're coming out hot. Yep. Patreon.com slash talk film society. Talk film society is a labor of love. It is not, um, I'm trying not to do the same bit that I, you know, did for the last bumper, uh, but, you know, but it really is. It's it really, a labor of love. When you are what you are, you know, you, you yeah. can't change from bumper to bumper. You can't and, change. And Talk Film Society doesn't bumper. do that, and that's this is this is a reason why we love them. Yeah, and and they're just so good to us, and I'm genuinely so appreciative to be a part of it and have a place for our just nonsense, and you can show that love by donating to the Patreon. Or just show that love just to us, baby, <laughs> by uh, doing those five-star reviews on iTunes, um, sending the the bad reviews to um, Mark Marin. If yep. you don't like the show, yeah, you know what? I'm going to say it right now. If you do like the show, um, review bomb Mark Marin. Yeah. I'm going to say this right now. Yeah. Um, review bomb Mark Marin. Yeah. And in, in your review... Tell him. Tell him Stephen Destroy sent you. Tell him Stephen Destroy sent you and that you're going to continue to review bomb him until he brings us on. Yeah. Or he comes on to the show. One way or the other, he will face the consequences. Yes. Um, but more importantly, give us the good reviews before you worry about the Mark Maron stuff. Or, you know what? You know what? You might not even need to worry about the Mark Maron yeah, stuff. Yeah, actually, I, I, it's fine. Um, you know what? Instead of doing that, donate to the Patreon. Yeah. And send us emails at stevendestroypodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on the social media pages that inevitably we will create. Yes, and that you already know and love. Yeah. Um, and All the great daily content. The daily content, the exclusives, the selfies. Um, it's, you know, a regular fun house over there. And um, we're just really appreciative to have you guys listening and supporting and loving yeah. cheering the show on james cries his eyes out after every one of these bumpers i cry my eyes after every bumper <laughs> um because i know that you're listening i know that you're you're hearing it i know that you are in the middle of driving pulling out your phone logging on to patreon.com slash talk film society yeah which of course much like watching the seagal movies and we don't advocate for <laughs> no i advocate that you pull over yeah. right now right and now. then subscribe to patreon.com slash talk film society yeah, man. Um, we have all kinds of opinions on on podcasts, Seagal movies, and what you're doing in your car. Yes. You know, if you had too much to drink, don't get oh, behind the wheel. Ooh, yeah, Not so, You know what? We don't support getting I'm behind gonna, the wheel drunk. Yeah. And that's been The More You Know. Why don't you take your lively chubby ass and get the fuck off my car? I'm starting to get scared. I'm starting to get scared. Puberty. I will snatch every motherfucker birthday.
Welcome back to Steven Destroy, the podcast where we watch every Steven Seagal movie so you don't have to. This week we're talking about The Glimmer Man from 1996, directed by John Gray, another uh, nobody. <laughs> um, he he did do he was a creator of The Ghost Whisperer with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Ooh. So I guess that's something to somebody. Jennifer Love Hewitt heads. Yeah. <laughs> For the Hewitt heads, uh, but otherwise he's kind of just like most of the other directors we've encountered. Um, not like this is like the one of the most notable parts of their filmography. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the peak, man. A lot of people peek in here on on the uh, Stephen Destroy, uh, including chronology. us. Yes, <laughs> every episode. All right. Um, I mean, do you want to just just plow right in? <laughs> Damn, yeah, I, I, I suppose so. I, we didn't uh, introduce ourselves. I don't know if we have to. Oh, we never introduce ourselves. Yeah, so. you know, I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about how we never introduce ourselves today. I was like, you know what? If we don't, I, I'm going to catch it. So, so yeah, it no, is. good job. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm James. <laughs> and I'm Dylan. All right. And we love to podcast and we're good at it. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> top, top talent of both of us. And that's going to be our new, uh, like sign off <laughs> yeah okay we love to podcast and we're good at it yeah <laughs> yeah for sure uh, yeah yeah so uh in the spirit of loving to podcast and being good at it let's uh let's talk about the glimmer man i guess let's cast yeah let's let's cast this this motherfucker all right first off steven seagal he plays jack cole and he's partnered with keenan Ivory Wayans, Wayans, as Jim Campbell. <laughs> Jim Campbell. We're just getting all that out of the way. Um, do you want to you want to give like a quick rundown of what the Glimmer Man is about? <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's it's a I guess a little different from um, from our average Seagal flick, especially of the last few. Seagal movies. I, I I don't know what you're talking. I guess maybe the last few, but well, the last as far few as I'm been, concerned, this the last is few the have most been, standard. Well, the last few have been the same movie, uh, over and over again. Uh, yeah, but then again, he's still like a cop with like a mysterious government past. <laughs> well, yeah, we're gonna get to that, but I guess in in this one, for the first forty minutes of the movie, there is the introduction of an actual like serial killer. Uh, who isn't just like a government uh, threat, which which I think is a first in a Seagal movie. I I I do agree, but I think the fact that again, like forty minutes in, it's like <laughs> there's a senator. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to see a senator in this movie. To be I honest, I was heartbroken. To you see were heartbroken. Oh, uh, you know, I was heartbroken. I kind of I don't know this this really especially after they got rid of that whole potentially interesting se- serial killer aspect of this movie. Um, we uh we really did just get right back into hard to kill and and above the law and and in those movies and so I don't know I almost mm-hmm. felt a sense of uh, nostalgia for the first three or four Seagal movies. Um, I well I'll I'll just tell you and you can agree or disagree. Sure, but um, I I mean I get like 
it's such a nothing movie that's hard for me to feel strongly about it. Yeah. But it, it was the hardest, I think, to watch out of all of them so far. <laughs> it was the one that I had the hardest time, like, just actively sitting through. I could not believe how slow this movie was. Very slow. I, I, it is, what, like 93 minutes? If, if um, that, yeah. It's 92. It's 92 minutes. And, like, I understand how time works. I know that there is literally no way that if I watched that movie the movie from front to back with no pauses that it could take more than 92 minutes. But yet I, I still struggled with the idea. I was like, watching this movie is going to take me three hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- this was a, th- this was a very boring movie. Um, and, and I think that, <clears throat> I think that it comes down to, um, there's just so much Steven in it. Um, and there's so much Steven, acting in it there there is there's like so much in this movie yeah it's like exhausting i like i couldn't write down every stupid thing that was said i couldn't like i gave up on that early i was just yeah like, I, I just had to kind of accept the 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 movie for what it was at a certain i point. mean honestly i feel like everything about it is just like fucked up <laughs> yeah i uh, all right, let's just get into it. Yeah, let's just go. get into it's the Glimmer Man. It's time for I, the Glimmer Man. The bane of my existence. Yeah. I had, I don't know why, I really don't know why, but I had some high hopes for this one. Not like, okay. you know, relatively high hopes, and yeah. I, I literally couldn't tell you why. Yeah. I just, something about it, I was just like, may, maybe. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You know, uh, I, I thought that maybe there was just a chance. Of course there wasn't, but... Um, I mean, uh, Keen Ivory Wayans um, did, like, Scary Movie. Not, like, a great spoof, but it's not actually that bad. And the Wayans brothers in general, um, I, I have a, kind of a soft spot for, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say whether anybody was, like, good in this movie. Yeah, he was fine. <laughs> he was there. He, he didn't entirely work to the detriment of the movie, in my opinion. So uh, there's plenty of Steven for that. So Yeah, well, I, maybe not to the detriment, but I will say, though, that um, looking at Keith Avery Wade's, uh, his like directorial efforts and, and just sort of the stuff he's associated with is kind of making me feel a little silly. I just assumed, like, within Living Color and Don't Be a Menace and, and kind of, like, these more original classic stuff that he did, like, spoofs, like Scary Movie. Yeah. But then, and I don't know why, this really shouldn't be surprising, but, like, White Chicks, Little Man. Right. Uh, dance Flick, which is surprising. Um, I kind of would have assumed that was, like, a Friedberg Seltzer thing. We're getting we're getting off topic because I don't want to talk about Glimmer Man. <laughs> um, yeah, we got we got a whole we got a whole Seagal in front of us to talk about, man. I know. It's just <laughs> it was so exhausting to watch. I I really like fought to stay awake. Literally fought to stay awake during this movie. And there were times where I would find myself starting to fall asleep, and I really was like, would it be fair? To come to, to come to the podcast and be like, Dylan, you're going to have to tell me about the last 15 minutes of this movie was, because I fell asleep and I didn't watch back. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I, I guess we can do our, our, our best to uh, 
to, to get you through this one, uh, to try to make this one uh, any more interesting <laughs> to listen about than it was for us to watch. Um, but so uh, I will say there were there were a few things in the movie that were uh, that were fun for me to see. Maybe um, in, in, I guess in the context of uh, having seen every single Steven Seagal movie up until this point, uh, such things being Steven for the first time in a little while, absolutely decimates a, uh, a restaurant in this movie. Yep. Oh, his, his most heinous one yet. Easily. Yeah. yeah easily. Um, so that was a big, uh, plus for me for, for yeah. this movie. It definitely is like kind of getting back to basics. Yeah, it is. We're back to the start here. <laughs> it's week, it's week one all over again. Um, here with the glimmer man. Um, uh, part of our, our theme song that uh, our wonderful theme song that uh, Metallica wrote just for us um, <laughs> uh, is is uh, is is thanks to to this movie as well. Uh, I I literally don't know what I'm talking about the the Steven started ad libbing part. Oh, of course, of course. I was thinking literal quotes. No, 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 not literal. But quotes. yeah, the Steven started ad libbing, which we can get into. Yeah, because um, it is a pretty good story yeah well that um, five minute clip that we're gonna get to here uh here in a bit uh is is, is <laughs> really what makes this this week all worth it for me is uh is, i guess getting to know some of the behind the scenes about this movie yeah well i there's there's some stuff in here that i i do kind of i'm looking forward to talking about just because i think saying it out loud is gonna be fun yeah uh but it's just like the first five minutes of this movie shoves in so much shit. Like I, I checked, it was it's literal five minutes in where we have established that there's a serial killer going around killing households, crucifying them to walls and drawing pictures in their blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, Steven just came from New York to the LAPD, got transferred after catching some serial killer in New York, and he's being teamed with um, Campbell who's the Wayans and um, he he's Steven Seagal is like a, a new agey uh, robes and beads kind of dude, very Seagal. Um, and the LAPD just lets him do that stuff and not wear like a, a suit. <laughs> yeah. Um, another and, another and classic Seagal bit, by the way, is, is yeah, him just is, refusing yeah. to wear a police uniform in any movie that he's in. And, um, him and Campbell are kind of at odds because Campbell doesn't like his new agey style. Yeah. And that's five minutes. That's like, <laughs> that's like the first five minutes is just establishing all of this. And, um, <laughs> they're coming back from this like first crime scene where there's some, uh, there, there's like a Russian couple. Although I guess we don't know that they're Russian yet. Yeah, we don't. Um, so just, there's a couple that's been crucified <laughs> and, uh, they're driving back and they get a call over the radio that there's been a, like there's like a hostage situation at a Catholic school. One of the students uh, has a gun. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I, okay. Maybe I just heard it wrong when they said that on the, on, mm-hmm. on the radio, but, um, but I don't think I am because they went on a whole tangent about it, but was that call not initially, we have a suicide here at the school. I honestly don't know <laughs> because 
you're asking <laughs> the wrong Keenan dude. Wayne starts talking about it. he's like uh it's like oh, I don't care about people that I don't care about some idiot that jumps off a building if somebody pushes him off then you can call me and then they get there and there's just a fucking dude with a oh, gun yeah. holding all of his classmates uh hostage. yeah you're right <laughs> and so I don't know like where my disconnect was here no yeah no that sounds right and they do say though over the radio that he has hostages yeah so which which um, makes it seems like a situation that maybe they should they should be involved with like if there was just a kid dead there then like and and it was clearly a suicide like then maybe the homicide detectives probably don't need to be there but like if it's a hostage situation i feel like pretty much anybody in the area should be coming through well probably not steven well yeah but <laughs> yeah it they get to the school and they're like getting filled in by you know the principal or whatever and he's just like he's in there he's got a gun there's there's you know students his girlfriend just broke up with him like that's our <laughs> that's like what the the reasoning that they give us um and it cuts to inside this uh classroom and you get this girlfriend just screaming at him she's like johnny stop it please johnny stop and uh, it is relevant to the rest of the movie which like Honestly, I was kind of surprised by. <laughs> um, I, I expected it to just be some nonsense, you know, like little D story that we're introduced to just to get an idea of how Steven, like, you know, rolls. Uh, and it does come come back, but even then, I mean, it's, like, really stupid. <laughs> yeah. Steven gets on the intercom to try and talk this kid down. And uh, he's he's, like, inside... He's like against the wall outside the classroom near the door and he's on the intercom talking over it and being like, come look at the window. I'm unarmed. It's going to be okay. And then we see Steven cock the gun. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, basically the whole idea is Steven lures him to the window to distract him and then kicks in the door and trains the gun on him. But like the whole setup of this, we're watching Steven like cock his gun and get all ready to go in there. And it doesn't like have this like this sense of tension of like how is steven gonna you know save the day here it's got the as as most of these movies do this weird tension of just like steven's like hunting his prey uh like he's cocking the gun you know lying to this kid it yeah he gets him in his trap mm -hmm. yeah exactly traps this poor kid uh oh well me i don't know (laughs) well Everybody seems like a poor kid when they uh, when when they get caught in the clutches of Steven Seagal. Yeah, um, and the kid's like saying, "I can't go back with him. I can't go back with him," and goes to put the gun to his head. And Steven tackles this kid through the window and then into another window, where they then land. And then this girlfriend, who is just being held hostage at gunpoint, is like, "I love you, Johnny." <clears throat> yeah it's it's pretty good man it's um it's a pretty good scene yeah i it i don't know do you want to like go through it or just kind of pull out what stands out because there's it's one of these movies where simultaneously like so much that happens but actually very little that happens <laughs> Yeah, I mean there's there's probably not much reason to get into every little detail of this movie because it's it really does not demand it. it yeah i mean like there i have almost i have three and a half pages of notes almost four yeah and and yet very little actually happens it's just like so much weird nonsense yeah 
Um, uh, I will say... I, I do have... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say the hostage scene does introduce us to the first instance, I think, in this movie of Stephen... Because uh, they jump through the window, and uh, the two windows. And Stephen <laughs> destroys a lot of fucking shit in this movie. Um, like it's made out of like fucking plywood or something. Like Stephen eviscerates so many walls in this movie. <laughs> um, more than I think is normal in 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 a Steven Seagal movie. He he eviscerates this whole fucking movie. Yeah. Um, I I I I think that this is our our weirdest one yet, honestly. Yeah. Um and it's not as like gleefully weird as like an out for justice. It's just like throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks kind of weird. Yeah. It makes no sense. Um I I apparently it was like cut to shit like it was originally a lot longer and had a lot more stuff just happen which sounds exhausting but they had to cut it to try and speed the movie up Mm. and i i I don't know but let's just let's just pull out the shit um this kid turns out to be the son of like some famous not oh yeah like some big rich businessman yeah um, who is Frank Deverell? Dever Deverell? Deverell? Sure. Yeah, played by Bob Gunton, who I recognized from Twenty Four. Uh, and this guy, uh, like his, <laughs> God, fuck this movie. <laughs> All right, his like attorney comes to try and convince Stephen to uh, testify that the son is insane. And Steven's basically like, you could tell your boss, like, I'm only going to testify the truth. That kid's not insane. Uh, and he, he says to <laughs> this, like, out of security, he says, like, get your ugly white ass out of here. Yeah. Pretty good. Which I think is going to be the, like, kind of start of a lot of times that Steven's, like, calling people white. Yeah. Which is a very weird thing that he does. Um, yeah, it is very strange. Yeah. <laughs> We don't really need to get into, but it is kind of weird to see fucking Steven Seagal, who looks like a cartoon character of a white person, being like, get your white ass out of here. Yeah, it's it's a pretty um, good bit. We, we have the uh, autopsy of the crucified woman. Oh, yeah, what a scene, and, man. Yeah, Steven does some phrenology to determine that this woman was Russian. He says, <laughs> you can look at her hair, cheekbones, genetic bone structure. This is a Russian woman, yeah, probably or probably Georgian. Yeah, probably Georgian. Yeah, and then uh, Stephen and and look, I don't know uh, when you visit the when you're a police officer and you visit a coroner. Like, I don't know what the what the order of operations is. Like, I don't know who. Yeah, who's the in, etiquette. Yeah, I don't know the etiquette. I can tell you. <laughs> it's not I what we saw right here. Now. It is not what goes on here. <laughs> yeah. So. So uh, Stephen. Um, Steven decides that the woman's boobs are too nice. Those are his exact words, that they're suspiciously nice. Yeah. So he just cuts he just them cut, up. Just cuts them open. He just he just takes the takes it upon himself to cut them open. Yeah. Uh, pull out the implants to track the serial number. Yeah. Which um, I, I don't I I didn't you know, I, again I don't know much much about breast implants, but um, that they do have serial numbers. Have I, serial looked numbers. Oh, okay. I looked it up. I looked it up. I look cool. up a lot of the shit that happens in these movies <laughs> yeah. because I 
just so immediately assume that they could just make up this wild nonsense. Yeah. So I, I look it up a, a lot of the stuff that happens to try and verify it. <laughs> well, that's, um, fast, uh, that's that's good. That's that's a uh, that's a good one to have on hand um, for this movie because <laughs> that really yeah. does set set into motion some some stuff here, I guess. Yeah, well, it lets them ID this woman and kind of helps them put the, together the pieces of the stupid conspiracy. Yeah, um, and it's pretty dumb. Yeah, and Stephen takes uh, Campbell's partner to this like I don't even I don't even know what you would call it, but it's just like again like some sort of person's idea of what like a, a new agey convenience store would be. So it's run by Asian people that don't speak English, and they all of like the stuff they sell is like sounds gross like um powdered deer penis of course well wow, that's the get... that's that's the the crux of uh of steven and his partner's um relationship in this movie man it's, it's the yeah the, it <laughs> that and casablanca yeah uh which is is playing on the tv in this scene and damon waynes is like hey i love this movie and um so it's a tearjerker, but because he's a dude, he's got to be like, I don't cry though. I'm a man. And Steven's like, Hey, it's good to have a good cleansing cry. And this is of course all, all relevant. This all comes together at the end. That's why it, you know, happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you could, I, I don't even know if you could say, of course, um, well, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I think most of what happens in this movie quote unquote happens for a reason well yeah like i guess that's my point is that's actually kind of a unique characteristic of this movie um compared to some of the other ones we've watched yeah but it's like so much shit like you can take out this whole scene uh, at least about like either you can take out the casablanca thing or you can take out the deer penis um the, there's incense burning and it makes Campbell like have an allergic reaction. So Steven's like, here, have some of this. And then he's like, ha ha, it's powdered deer penis. Um, and then later kind of like the way that we show that their relationship that they've bonded is simultaneously Steven finding Wayans at a, sh- a showing of Casablanca. And then they agree that they're going to go watch the movie together. And then later when he's in uh, Wayans' apartment, he finds like more of the powdered deer penis and is like, wow, I really got through to you. And it's kind of like, you can, you can just have one of those. You can just have one of those happen. Um, I, man, I really didn't like this movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think, um, I think glimmer man, um, is, I think the glimmer man is, is a movie and, mm-hmm. uh, I'd agree. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> that that uh, almost kind of uh, pleasantly surprised me uh, to I, uh, to a certain extent. Like I was watching it, and then and I would just be like, "Well, I think I've seen something like this in a in a real movie before." And and I think that that was sort of my reaction to the whole thing. Now looking back on it, um, there's really nothing exciting about it. Um, and it is painfully boring. Um, uh, there is a scene at the end uh, where uh, Wayne's uh, apartment gets blown up uh, mm-hmm. that I thought didn't suck. Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought that scene was pretty all right. I thought the explosion was kind of cool. Um, 
and that the whole <laughs> the, the whole thing for yeah. me is it's kind of like like a monkey paw wish for like a real movie yeah where it's like okay we're gonna give you a real movie everything that happens is like you know foreshadowing something or gonna have a callback yep. and every single character that we meet is gonna be relevant and we're gonna pack as much information as possible into every single thing that happens even though and because and there's this like sense that because everything is gonna come together they can introduce it as randomly and stupidly as possible and they do like when uh they're driving to meet an informant who they never meet unless that's that lady uh who calls about recognizing the paintings that the guy was doing on the wall but that's not like specified so in theory they just never actually follow up this supposed lead because as they're driving they see uh, a group of dudes standing around and one has a screwdriver and and they're like oh well this is suspicious we need to go bust some heads (laughs) yeah and then they're there hassling these dudes um, and then a bunch of Russian men show up behind them with guns. And the implication when you just see all these dudes showing up with guns is that they're like in league with these people that they're hassling, but they aren't. It's just complete happenstance, I guess, that these dudes showed up. And then we get a, a relatively entertaining fight scene. Yeah. Relative. It's not like a, a great fight. But um, this is one of those times where Steven just fucking beats everybody down in a scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You you get um, <laughs> you get the part. Um, so <laughs> the guys are kind of advancing on them. And Steven's like, I, I can't fight. I, I can't do it. Um, and then they like what? They knock out Campbell. They like hit him. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, he he gets uh you know he he kind of talks back to the to the Russian guys and so they they I think they like hit him in the face with the butt of their gun or something. Yeah, and Stephen's like, well, you know, my friend, he's a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. And one of the Russians says, "What does that mean?" And Stephen says, "It's just a saying." Yeah. Because so oh, none of the dialogue in this movie makes sense. Everybody like speaks super obviously. Like there's no metaphor. Everybody just like in this exact same fucking scene, the one of the dudes is holding a screwdriver, and Steven's like, "You got a screwdriver? I've got a gun." It's like you brought a screwdriver to a gunfight, and I'm like, "Is that supposed to be like a joke?" But yeah. it's like every line in this movie is like this. Every fucking line. Yeah. But Steven says he can't fight. And um, the guys are, like, talking about how they were paid to kill Stephen. Right. And Stephen's like, well, do you guys take plastic or something like that? And he pulls out a credit card. And inside the credit card, he has, like, a tiny little knife, like an X-Acto knife. Yep. And he just slices all these men in the throat yep. just seconds after saying that he can't fight. Yep. It did not take him very long to uh, to go back on his not fighting. Uh, yeah. Ideology. And at the end, he's like, it's not that I can't fight. I'm just not supposed to. It's like, well, then why, why'd we even bother? Yeah. What was the point here? And so, yeah, I mean, they, they really... I'm going to throw a fit. I'm going to throw a tantrum. <laughs> yeah, they go really hard on uh, Steven. Um, Trying to make him seem new agey. Yeah, I think at some point, he, he, I think he says he practices Buddhism. I think in that scene, he says that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so they 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 try really hard to push this. And so this this uh this comes up in a a polygraph scene uh, later in the in the movie, but um that's that's more in like ways that it translates in, in the movie in a literal sense. I think I think in a more just like how it translates on the screen to you watching the movie. They they focus on something that that Stephen seems to talk about a lot in movies and I think outside of movies as well as sort of like his idea of like, like, well, not his idea, but like idea of like Zen and, and like, you know, conquering his emotions and things like that. But what it does in this movie is because there's nothing interesting about Steven Seagal and these are not his ideas or he really doesn't seem to practice anything about the ideas other than the fact that it just makes him fucking boring all the time in this movie. He like never raises his voice. He shows no emotion at any point in time besides maybe when he sees his ex-wife crucified in his, in her new husband's no, home. And he, no, and he really just no. kind of like, Put, no, he does not show any emotion. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He just kind of puts his head down, and he's just like, oh, man. And, you know, he doesn't even say, oh, man. He just kind of, like, puts his head down. He's like, oh. And then he comes home to his wife, who is in one, one scene, scene in this movie. Yeah, she's so insignificant and, that I started to question whether or not it was even his, his wife. I was like... Whether it was a dream sequence <laughs> yeah, or not. I was like, was that... That was his wife, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's his wife. Yeah. She was apparently in more, but was part of what got cut so now she he she he just goes home and there's like some lady there and he's like it was uh, whatever her name was it was my ex-wife and she's like oh no honey (laughs) oh 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 honey and and then she's gone (laughs) she's she's gone from the movie um Uh, and i will say the only the only thing that gets any kind of emotional or like reaction of any way out of me in this movie is just how fucking gross these crucifixion scenes are yeah it's it's uh it's a gross one i feel like we haven't had a lot of grossness yeah because the movies have been pretty mainstream um under siege is kind of gross um kind of because he gouges out tommy lee jones's eyes and stabs him in the head um but it is pretty nasty um yeah well, and that was what kind of so, and so maybe this is this is what, as you said, that you had some kind of uh, unfounded expectations of the movie maybe not being bad, and uh, I I started I started when the when the movie first got going. I mean, before we got before before five minutes were up, as we've talked about already, I, I had already given up any hope of any of this happening. But when the movie started, and we had like the opening credit scene, and we had these like pretty grisly. Uh, uh, images of these crucified bodies at the beginning of the movie. Um, I, I thought to myself, like, you know, are, is is this going to turn into some sort of like weird, like psychological, like thriller horror thing where there's like there's this like psychotic killer and like Steven's going to try to catch him and it's like maybe this will be like this kind of dark movie and there and like maybe there's a way this can be inter- interesting and um it's not it really isn't uh it becomes a steven seagal it becomes above the law so quickly i am on board with you and like in theory i was pretty i was i thought i had the exact same thoughts you did i was like this whole thing about the serial killer we haven't really seen that before everything's been like conspiracies and and like (laughs) god it's so much more sad when you mention the conspiracies (laughs) 
Everything has been conspiracies. There's almost always just like some like unspecified either government official or just like rich businessman. Here we get both. Yep. <laughs> uh, but there's almost always one of those. Um, and the, the like the simplicity of just like Steven's a cop. There's a serial killer on the loose. Steven's got to track him down would be refreshing. And the opening sequence is definitely like more abrasive than any of them have been. It is like really ugly looking yeah. um, shots of like, you know, these crime scenes, the investigations and then interspersed with this dude stalking this new, um, his next kill basically, which turns out to be the Russian woman and her husband. Um, but then the, the opening literally ends with him like, walking into their room and firing a gun at the woman. And we get this point of view where we're the bullet, like (laughs) shooting towards this lady as she starts to scream. It reminds me of the fucking beginning of Ghostbusters. And it's like any, any part of me that thought like, maybe this would be remotely interesting just died as, as we're the bullet. Yeah. You get a point of view shot of a bullet, and I'm just I'm out. yeah I'm, I'm checking out for me. I don't think it was the POV shot of the bullet for me I, because I think that when we got to the opening scene and it was in an actual police station, um, <laughs> I thought like, is Stephen going to be like a real like detective in this movie? Like that was like the first thing that came to my mind when I when I saw that I was like, oh wow, <laughs> maybe Stephen won't just be marauding around and killing people in this movie. And I don't know why the fuck yeah. I thought that. <laughs> no, and the way he's introduced is like so bland. Ugh. We follow David Way as like walking into his office and Steven's just standing there. And they have this like super routine conversation where David Wayans is like, see, so you made it back from New York. And Steven's like, yep, I'm here. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, well, let's start the movie, yeah, everyone. All right. <laughs> Keys in the ignition. Movie's <laughs> on its way. Yeah, uh, um, so <laughs> there is a, uh, a a print, a fingerprint found on Stephen's ex-wife's body, which does it bring up like the only other remotely, uh, I wouldn't say it's ever interesting, but it has promise. It's the only other like promising element of the movie, which is that they kind of toy with the idea that Stephen is suspected as the serial killer. Yeah. Because uh, they find the print on the ex-wife, um, the guy he caught in New York started killing like two months after Steven got there. And this um, crucifixion killer that they call the family man, which is a, a, not a good name. Um, yeah, it really isn't. You could definitely come up with a better serial killer name for a dude who crucifies people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they really picked like the most mundane aspect of, of, of what he does. Like serial killer, who writes paintings in blood, crucifies his victims, and thinks that, that Jesus is telling him to kill people. And he also kills entire families when he does it. I'm like, which one of those details do you think is the most interesting? <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, the family man. It's an awful name. It's an awful fucking name. Yeah, sounds like a fucking um, sitcom or something. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they sort of think that Stephen might do it, or might have done it, and that is like a kind of interesting or potentially interesting like plot development. And if the movie was more about like that, I guess, or if that really ever became relevant aside from like 
like so many of these fucking movies, Steven gets his badge and gun taken away, but it's not like it ever hinders him. He's just like, the movie continues on. He just doesn't have his badge now. Um, the... <laughs> well, potential and it's, it's wasted. It's it's right as these few things are being introduced that the movie takes like its final nosedive. It's like, or, or where it takes its most significant nosedive, I guess, because it's like we get to, um, the uh, the ex wife is 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 killed, and it, mm-hmm. at this point, <clears throat> if I'm remembering all the the order of events right, it's it's like at this point where they start talking about Stephen being potential being a potential suspect and um um and i, f- I forgot <laughs> yes. the other thing i was gonna say uh <laughs> okay. yeah that's the glover man for yeah you. that's the, that's the glover man well after this he tries to get in touch with his old cia handler yeah well um, and that's what i was gonna say is i i couldn't remember the other potentially interesting detail about this movie I, oh i guess that it's that we begin to realize that it's 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 the russians uh and it has uh nothing to do with uh the, the serial killer the serial killer is not even doing these crimes anymore um yeah that's true. <laughs> and yeah and so and it's right after these things or it's right as these things are being introduced that we also hit the final nail in the coffin that steven has a mysterious past and lo and behold it was that he was in the cia yeah and like any um, hope <laughs> entirely gone now yeah and i realize now some more reasons that i did have kind of higher hopes is i had seen the cast brian cox who plays the cia handler um is really good i like brian cox a lot um yeah i i watched succession pretty recently and he fucking rules in that and i was just hyped to see some more brian cox um and enough to where even when he was just on screen at all in this movie was like any any pleasure i had in this experience (laughs) was just from him being on screen even though he has this shitty fucking foghorn leghorn accent he does um I, i still just enjoyed seeing him on screen but um yeah steven tries to get in, co- in contact with him and brian cox is like no 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 thanks yeah. i don't think i will talk to steve <laughs> yeah. um they do a background check on steve and that's when they find out that the dead lady was his ex-wife um and that he has no background before he joined the nypd um and so steven finds out that there is the fingerprint on the body he he knows he's being set up and he goes to a restaurant where he just happens to know brian cox is eating somehow he just knows that brian cox will be there um and when he enters this restaurant there's um <laughs> a very it's like a, a good kind of microcosm of just everything about these fucking movies the ho- the host at this restaurant is on the phone and so steven's like trying to get his attention but the dude's already on the phone yeah he's trying he's to get not, a reservation yeah i was gonna say he's not just like on the phone with a friend like it's not one of those things mm-hmm. where it's just like shitty employee at restaurant or convenience store is talking to their friend on the phone and doesn't want to talk to you right now like he is like trying to help somebody get a reservation <laughs> and there's like a there's like a bell at the desk Stephen just starts ringing the bell over and over again, and it's just like, uh, hello. I mean, it's it's real, uh, real big Karen energy from from Stephen <laughs> in this uh, in this scene. 
Well, the dude keeps ignoring him because he's already on the fucking phone <laughs> helping, a, helping a customer who, like, contacted them before Steven did. Yep. And Steven's so impatient, he, like, grabs the phone and then uh, slaps the so hard it knocks him out. Yeah. And then he just goes back to where, uh, at the back of the restaurant, where he finds Brian Cox, who's eating with another senator. Um, you know, mark the senator box on our Stephen Bingo. Yeah. Um, my favorite the, square on this on, on the Stephen Bingo, honestly. My favorite's him uh, breaking the neck with one arm. That's a good one too. But um, Stephen's trying to get like information about who, like. I don't even know. I guess he wants info on like previous CIA assets. Like Brian Cox can just give that out because uh, Stephen thinks that it, they're hits. Um, he suspects that it's not like a serial killer. It's somebody doing hits uh, under the guise of being a serial killer, which I've, I mean, it's correct, but it's not like there's anything that like shows you how he made that leap in logic. Yeah, it's just you know, of course, he's he's correct. Yeah, and and that's that's a thing that start sort of starts getting established right from the beginning. Is is I think the very first crime scene Stephen gets there, and as far mm-hmm. as I know, he has not been to any of the other crime scenes. Um, no, because this he is his first. He, he just got one. Yeah, and they're like, we got the two scene. fresh ones, right? So they they go and they they go check this this first crime scene out, and Stephen's just looking around, he's like, this one's different. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You weren't at the last one. <laughs> yeah, and and it turns out it is different because they weren't Catholic, right? But it, I mean, but I don't, I don't Steven... think that's what Stephen meant. I think he was just like looking at the nails in their hands and was just like, no, yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> he was like, oh, I, I think the implication is that Stephen just had like a like a sixth sense tingle, his spidey sense tingled, and he was just like, this one's different. Yeah, <laughs> which you know, it sucks. It it always does. But this one, this one <laughs> really sucked. <laughs> He's in this restaurant, and, like, Brian Cox is, like, assistant or something wants him to leave. Because, again, Stephen just showed up and interrupted this meeting. So the assistant's like, Stephen, you have to go. So, like like you do, mm-hmm. Stephen throws him through a glass wall. <laughs> yep. yep. And uh, <sighs> then this just fucking giant brawl in the restaurant starts. And I have no idea who these dudes are where they come from. It looks like it's like every single person that was in that restaurant was like a secret undercover CIA agent. Yeah. Because just all these random dudes come out of nowhere and start running at Steven. And he, he just absolutely tears this fucking place to the ground. He really does, man. He just fucking destroys this place. Um, and, uh, before he leaves, another phone call comes through and, and Steven, Stephen tells them on the phone that the store is uh, closed for renovation, and Stephen Stephen anticipates that he's done two months worth of of uh, damages that need to be repaired. And what is the fucking point of that whole thing <laughs> yeah. with the phone? Like, what does that accomplish? I guess it's like a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. I, I, it's uh, it's supposed to be. Again, it's like the you know they want to make Stephen uh, seem cool. Uh, which is a truly impossible task, but like I, 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 I hate I, this fucking. <laughs> yeah, it gets worse the more you talk about it. Um, so look, let's 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 just try to get to the interesting. Not well, <laughs> let's get to the let's get to the probably the most interesting part of the movie, um, mm-hmm. because of for for reasons that have nothing to do with what's actually included in the movie. 
Well, I like um, Stephen Tobolowski, who, again, is another actor that I saw was in this movie and was like, hey, I like them. Yep. He is only in the movie for about five minutes, and then Stephen blasts him. It's a real bummer. Which I should have. <laughs> I think that a good kind of rule that I'm going to try and adopt is every time I see somebody I like is in one of these movies, I'm going to assume that they're in it for five minutes and then Steven blasts them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Steven Tubolowski thing is, um, is, is, is really, really great. Um, <laughs> well, the, the story, the story behind the it movie. is, yeah, in the movie, it's not really great. In the yeah. movie, it's another t- thing where Steven just has superhuman senses because they get a uh, call, which I've already talked about. This lady out of prison recognizes the drawings. They send them all to, out to like prisons and stuff. And she recognizes the drawings as somebody who was there that she worked with um, and gives them the name of a dude who turns out to be Stephen Tobolowski. And they're all going to this guy's house, but S- Steven Seagal <laughs> is like, no, where's the closest Catholic church? <laughs> and then, of course... Steven Tobolowski's at the Catholic Church. Um, and, and I mean, the whole scene is, is more or less, he takes a priest hostage, immediately lets the priest go as soon as Steven asks him to. <laughs> he's like, hey man, let the priest go. And he's like, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to. I'm, I'm trying to hold him hostage. And Steven's like, but I got to talk to him. Let, let him go. <laughs> like, I got something real important to tell him. <laughs> I really got to tell him something. And so then the priest walks to Steven, Steven, Tubolo- Steven Seagal, Stephen Tubolowski mm-hmm. lets him, and then Stephen just whispers in the priest's ear. He's just like, "Get out of here!" And he just walks out and leaves. <laughs> yeah, the guy's just like, "Okay, yeah, all right, see you, dude." Everybody there knows that Stephen Seagal's the more terrified president. <laughs> He's like, I'd, "I'd much rather piss off Stephen Tubolowski than Stephen Seagal." <laughs> yeah, um, and then yeah. Um, Tobo's like, "I, I only killed. Uh, I didn't kill the last two. I only killed the ones that I like wanted to, you know. Yeah. Like your kind of stereotypical serial killer dialogue. And then he begs Steven to kill him and's like, I'm gonna kill you if you don't kill me and he starts counting back counting down to one and so Steven shoots him. Yeah. Um Yeah, you wanna you wanna get into the good stuff? Yeah, let's get into the good stuff. So I will say that there's no way that we'll be able to tell this better than Stephen Tobolowski. So, um, we, no, yeah, yeah absolutely. We, we do absolutely recommend, uh, we don't recommend you watch a lot of things on this show, but I would absolutely <laughs> recommend that you watch Stephen Tobolowski's interview. I would, I would recommend you watch that five minute, um, Stephen Tobolowski thing, uh, like 10 times <laughs> or no, how many times do you have to like 20, I guess like 18 times, yeah. uh, to make it like 90 minutes worth. Yeah. Uh, before you watch The Glimmer Man. I think that would be a better use of your 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Is watching that Steven Tobolowski video 18 times. Um, but yeah, I, I, normally, you know, I just kind of read that shit. I summarize that, but I was like, it's, I won't be able to do it justice. Yeah. You got to watch this. Uh, but yeah, the basic gist of it is that during the filming, or right before filming the movie, it was the, the first day one. Day. Yeah, day one of day filming. one of filming. Stephen had a, uh, as it was described, a spiritual awakening, and decided that he was done contributing to the violence in the world, and that he didn't think that he should be killing people in movies anymore. Which, 
Wit. <laughs> Granted, he doesn't. He barely kills anybody in the last movie he was in. So I, I wonder because we we talked about this. Like, what kind of mayhem is Stephen going to wreak on uh under the world after that? After the last movie, <laughs> um, and and apparently uh, he'd he'd had quite enough at day one. Think about think about that alternate future <laughs> <laughs> where Stephen just stops killing. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder too. Yeah, well, we wouldn't be doing this podcast. You don't think you don't think there there'd be like another forty there would Steven be Seagal movies I think there would be another forty just... Steven Seagal movies, but I think that it would we'd be I think approaching like like Neil Breen territory or something. I think that I think that we'd I I don't know what Steven Seagal would do if he's not killing people in movies, but like I don't think that that we would look at at, at this set of movies where we know every movie is the same movie over and over and over again, where we'd be doing a podcast about it. Um, I, I don't think the cohesion would be there. <laughs> I, I kind of what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I to be fair, I think Steven Seagal is 100 percent correct. <laughs> I think that he 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 puts evil into the world <laughs> and should have stopped. Yeah. But in in a sense, uh, uh, maybe there there there's this uh an even more dark undertone to this movie in which maybe there is a situation and Steven Seagal uh added less evil into the world after 1998 or whatever. Um, but we never get to know about it because of course, if you're making this fucking action movie, uh, you don't want your lead action hero to just show up on day one and say, no, <laughs> sorry, not going to kill people anymore. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, so there's a very, very good, um, I don't know. Steven Tolowski does a very good job of detailing this interaction he had where, um, Steven comes up to him and is like, I don't think I should kill you in this scene. And basically, <laughs> Steven Tobolowski outsmarts Steven Seagal. Um, he, he's like, well, see, my character just need, wants to be reborn. And if you kill him, you're giving him the chance to be reincarnated as something you know better and bring peace into the world. And you're taking out the evil. And Steven Seagal's like, wow. <laughs> so I'd be helping him <laughs> never thought of it like that before bro and so they shoot the scene and then steven tobolowski's off for you know i mean he's done he probably worked like one or two days and then was out of there and apparently he gets a call later and uh to quote our theme song steven started ad-libbing and he just starts talking about how he's glad he didn't kill that guy in the church <laughs> Which I we, I have read and heard a lot of stuff about how it's like very common practice that Steven would get on set and just start ad-libbing shit. And I think it's like super obvious when he's doing it too. Like you can absolutely <laughs> tell. Um, like that fucking thing. And I think it was marked for death where he's just like asks the dude if he's still sober or whatever. Yeah. You get, yeah, you just get those weird fucking moments. Um, but this one's like a huge, like story changing thing that Steven just started ad libbing. Um, I, I would and, love and to I, be one yeah. of his co-stars. Um, when Steven starts ad libbing that shit and just, and, and just having like your whole perception of the movie changing, like did, like, <laughs> did I just like not fucking like coherently understand what was going on in that scene we filmed where Steven definitely killed that guy in that church. Um, I can only imagine the the confusion 
uh, that any any co-star in this movie could have been feeling at any given time, and when Stephen might have been saying things like that. I just have to assume that they were also checked out. They weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, yeah, whatever. Um, so, yeah. I do... It's, well, hold on. Yeah. I just want to say, I do really like, in that scene, um, Stephen's, like, begging the guy not to make him... Begging Tobolowski not to make Seagal shoot him. And he's like, this is God's house. Don't make me do this. Yeah. That's it. I just like it's that. Pretty good. I, it was just part of steve and being steve i yeah uh, <laughs> so after he kills steven tobolowski in this movie um he has to go to internal affairs because uh, they have to rule on whether or not the shooting was justified yeah and so i we've we've kind of touched on this a couple of times throughout the podcast and even just the mention at he has to go to internal affairs like almost made me yawn so, um, <laughs> I think we should really try our best to uh, <laughs> to pick out our favorite moments from the last forty five minutes of the movie versus yeah, the first forty five. Yeah, I'm super 45. on board. Yeah, because this last forty five minutes, guys, uh, our rabid listeners, I know you've heard it before. You know what happens in the rest of the movie. It's it's yeah, it. <laughs> you really do. It turns out Brian Cox and the the rich dude from like the beginning with the son, yeah. they're in league to sell chemical weapons to the Serbians. Yep. Whoa! Um, wow. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. And uh, and Stephen <laughs> Stephen kills him. Yeah. He kills everybody. He kills every single person. Everybody. Everybody dies. Yep. Everyone dies except. Um, uh, except the CAA guy, right? He doesn't die. He just shoots him a, a bunch of times. Oh yeah, in, that's in, in oh the my hands god. And the feet. Yeah. yeah, Stephen just tortures yeah. him. <laughs> Stephen shoots him in one foot and one hand, um, which is uh, super close to what happens to somebody when they get crucified. Yeah, but like, yeah, I I wasn't sure if that was uh, <laughs> you know. It, I wasn't sure if that was something that the uh, you know the average Sakal head was gonna was gonna pick up watching this movie, man. Really, well, really deep I, metaphorical shit here. I didn't know. I don't think it was intentional. Yeah, I, and you know that's a good point too. <laughs> is that uh, truly Stephen is no better than the people he tries to capture in these movies? Um, yeah. Um, you find out that Stephen is was. The titular glimmer man. I was so excited about they that. They would, they would send him in, and there'd be nothing but jungle, and then a glimmer, and then you're dead. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck wrote that, but that's um, Shakespearean, man. Beautiful. Yeah, well, I'll tell you who wrote it. Yeah, please. Um, Kevin Broadbent. Kevin, thank you. Kevin Ke- Broadbent, Kevin. who does not have a Wikipedia page. Uh. Poor guy. Well, you know what? He had his he had his moment in the sun, and it was and he fucking blew it. <laughs> well, yes, but you know what I well, what, I, what I will continue to say is that I, I I I truly do believe that. Well, then again, I don't know. This is what we talked about. I think last week, where it's like there are some really talented people that kind of sneak their way into these movies sometimes. Yeah. Well, after fucking Under Siege Two with Matt Reeves, I definitely don't want to be like hard on any of these writers yeah for sure um 
Yeah, and so in that scene in which we we discover Stevens the the Glimmer Man, um, our 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 bad guys uh, start to unveiling their plot. Now they're gonna they're gonna start killing people. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna kill. Well, they talk about how they have to kill Steven and uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans and the uh, stepson. Yep, because he he for some reason knows all of the evil shit that his stepdad is up to. Uh, in like detail I, too like yeah when they talked to him later he was like oh yeah my my dad was trying to smuggle in some chemical weapons to sell to some serbians or whatever and yeah it's just like oh okay okay no, and, and he's like he had to kill the russian woman because she was his translator yeah. and she knew that they were smuggling in the weapons and then my therapist uh who married your ex-wife had to die because i told him everything yeah it's like what are the, is this is like this dude talking at like the dinner table like at family dinner just being like well I had to had to kill the translator today honey <laughs> tough, she knew too much tough day at work had, had to kill the translator today uh, oh, son, like dad son go to your room um, <laughs> I'm not your son <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did really like this scene. <laughs> Where um, I really liked this a lot, where the um, dude goes to kill, they send some random faceless dude to kill uh, the stepson who's in like, I think he's in like a psych ward, and he's like in a very wide open room in the corner hidden behind a curtain where like his bed would be. And the guy goes and he pulls back the curtain and it's just Steven and Steven shoots him. <laughs> yeah. But it uh, reminded me so much of Shrek 2 where Prince Charming pulls back the curtain where he thinks it's going to be Fiona and it's the wolf. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I thought it was so goddamn funny. <laughs> just like he pulls it back and it's just fucking Steven. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. And the, the fucking kid... Not only does he detail all of that, he's like talking about how he has somebody helping him. And uh, Steven's like, Did he have a southern accent? And the kid's just like, And this is the exact quote Yeah, the government guy. Yeah. Like, as if he like has been watching the movie too and knew like that this dude was in the CIA. Like, how does the kid know all this shit? Yeah, it's pretty profound. Ugh. Um,. And so, Ugh. so yeah. Uh, it, a- after they they reveal that it's Mister Smith, the government guy with the southern accent, mm-hmm. they uh, foghorn Lighthorn motherfucker, yeah, foghorn Lighthorn. That's when Stephen goes to torture him, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> gets his partner to become complicit in in the. Uh, and I think at this point, Stephen doesn't have his badge anymore, right? Oh God! Yeah, yeah. So Stephen, uh, so he gets his partner to be complicit in these these legitimate crimes that he's committing. Um, but you know, uh, Stephen is once again, absolutely above the law in this movie. Um, it was an absolutely well-established, well-accepted part of Stephen in any police role that he has in any of these movies that he is absolutely 110% above any letter of any law. And, um, so yeah, he goes and tortures (laughs) (laughs) his uh cia agent boss underneath of a fucking uh highway and uh shoots him in the foot and shoots him in the hand yeah uh he crucifies him with lead and then um forces him to walk himself to a hospital (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, he says, you still got one foot. Hobble to a hospital. And it's just like, yeah, uh, there goes my hero. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and so you guys know what happens next. Uh, Steven goes. (laughs) Yeah. There's the the big hotel room where the deal's going to go down. Yep. Where he's going to sell these chemical weapons yeah but i guess he's let everybody know that he's uh steven lets everybody know independently that he has uh got the he, he the, a, the caa guy on on tape talking about he he, he does a little double cross little he double calls cross, the yeah. the rich dude and plays him the tape of him talking to brian cox and then tells the rich dude that whole let him go if the rich dude gives up his head of security who is doing all the hits for him and then Steven calls the head of security and plays him the tape that says that the rich dude is going to sell him out. Yep. And and it's like interesting. It like it's kind of it, comes to nothing. Yeah, it's a little better than than your average ending to one of these things, I guess. It's a, it's yeah, a little better of a setup. Yeah. Um although when they get to the hotel room and uh the security guy like stages a coup against uh Bob Gunton or Mr. Devereaux, or whatever, he, uh, Stephen and <laughs> Wayans are just, like, have this whole, like, argument about if they should intervene or just let them finish each other off. And, like, obviously, like, the, the technical thing that they're supposed to do as officers of the law is intervene so that they don't just all shoot each other. Yeah. But that is kind of what they set up to happen. Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing that, that was they set the up, plan. is that these dudes are going <laughs> to shoot each other. And then he's like, "Well, we should get, we should intervene." Ugh. Yeah, that, and, they, they do their whole art of war thing, and <laughs> climax of the movie happens um, at the end when Steven is fighting this head of security dude. They're like, <laughs> the the guy is running, like he's gonna leave the hotel, and he gets to the doors, and they've been padlocked. And then it cuts to Steven, who's just been sitting behind the front desk reading a newspaper. <laughs> it's like some fucking Bugs Bunny shit. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. He's just sitting there fucking reading the newspaper, and he's like, hey. <laughs> it's, oh, God. Um, and then their fight is mainly just like, they just start choking each other. Yep. And then Steven throws the guy out a window, and the music becomes so ominous and dark and we're very slowly pulling away from Steven looking out like (laughs) at his handiwork and it's so fucking dark. Like again, I don't know if there will be a single fucking episode of this show where we don't make that like Michael Myers, Steven's just like a predator (laughs) kind of. Yeah. Like, you know, like analogy because it's so easy and it happens in every fucking movie but i think this is like the most overt it's ever been like the music is unquestionably dark and and ominous and like we're pulling away so slowly as it builds until we see that he's thrown this dude on a fence to where he looks like he's been crucified and like the fence posts are going through his neck like fucking like hot fuzz yeah and it um and um and and shout out to um to the composer on this uh, on this film is uh mr trevor rabin of of mm-hmm. of uh yes fame um yeah as well as uh 
played with uh, Michael Jackson and 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 uh, a few other groups as well. Um, and and of course, as the guitarist on "Owner of a Lonely Heart," uh, uh, a, a great a great large single of yeses. So uh, I, I read that before the movie, and I was like, oh okay, I'll be uh, be interested to uh, I'll be a little more interested in the score than usual today, but. Uh, but yes, he he uh, he he too had that innate sense that Stephen is an inherently <laughs> dark figure, and I, I can't imagine that he knew any other way to to write for him <laughs> in this movie. Um, well, it's very interesting that you brought up, and I might mess up his last name. Is Trevor Rabin? Uh, yeah, yeah, Trevor Rabin. Rabin. As far as I know, that's how you pronounce it. <clears throat> well, it's very interesting that you brought him up because uh, he's gonna make a little reappearance later on in this show. Oh, great! Uh, in this episode. But he did uh, teach Steven Seagal how to play guitar. <laughs> really? Well, according how to uh, according to the IMDb trivia. Oh. So who knows? Yeah, who can? But say? according to the IMDb trivia, he taught Steven Seagal how to play guitar. Wow! 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 Um, and so that's that's <laughs> Glimmer Man. Um, that is basically Glimmer Man. The the very ending of the movie is because um, Wayne uh, Wayne's got shot, yeah, and he's getting loaded into an ambulance. And the end of the movie is him being like, "Don't ever talk to me again. <laughs> uh, only bad things ever happen to you. I don't want to ever hear from you again." Yeah. And that's the sort of thing that would normally they'd like laugh. It'd be like you know like ah ha ha, catch you later, partner. But he just like gets the door shut and he's just like don't ever come near me again don't come near my family do not call me do not think about me and then rock music starts playing as the ambulance drives away and yeah. the movie ends he's like he's like if i see a if i see a bird come up to my window with a message tied around its foot i'm going to throw it back outside um it's uh it's pretty good and steven just stands there and smiles it's like uh, <laughs> It's like ah, buddy. Yeah, it's it's like the end of some horror, horrifying like haunted house movie or something. It's uh, that is kind of a boring, horrifying yeah haunted house movie. Yeah, um, and so uh, that's Glimmer Man. Yeah. I've, I I Glimmer Man so far I think has encapsulated my worst fears about what this is going to be like. Yeah, Glimmer Man. Was I tough. have not. I know I'm getting ahead of it because normally our like our last thing we do is our check-in, but I will tell you right now, I have not felt as daunted <laughs> and just hopeless <laughs> and helpless yeah. about this as I did after watching Glimmer Man because I, I'm I'm just so sure that it's gonna be so much more of this, that it's gonna be boring and bizarre, but not like fun enough bizarre like out for justice. Yeah. And and that it's just gonna make me mad. I'm going to be pissed. I have to watch it. I'm going to be pissed. I have to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I felt so much just anxiety (laughs) and dread coming into this. Um, And, uh, you know, it, it lived up to the billing um, for sure. You know, the, the billing I'd given it in my head where I was like, this is gonna, this is going to be painful and painful. It was. Um, we are getting so close to that direct to DVD. Yeah, and and that really is gonna gonna kind of dispel the great unknown of this. Is is what will direct to DVD bring us? Will it bring us out for justice after out for justice, or will it bring us Glimmer Man after Glimmer Man? 
And the answer I'm... to that question is going to severely impact um, <laughs> what the rest the quality of, our, of our lives for the next year. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, do you think Glimmerman's the worst movie we've watched so far? It's no, I no. I don't. Um, I, it might be the most boring one we've seen so far, but I, I, again, it, it's there is still like above the law. Ah, uh, and nope. And I, yeah, hard disagree. I, I would, I'd take this one over above the law. I'm really surprised above the law is like your bottom so far. Yeah, and it's funny because I think it's probably one of my most uh, well rated in terms of my sentencing. No, you rated it pretty hard. Oh, I did. Okay, well then, yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, I I really didn't like above the law. But that said, th- this one is like pretty much neck and neck with that movie, um, as maybe being the two worst ones. Um, but even then, even above the law, I can like remember some things about the above the law about above the law. <laughs> um, There's that car chase where he's like on top of the car. Yeah, and and, and also in. <laughs> The uh, parking garage. Yeah, isn't there like a Jason Voorhees style like thing where he like crashes his hand into the side of the the car window? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So See, that was pretty good. good. Oh, you know what? Above the law, probably my favorite actually. Now that we <laughs> now that we've gone back on it, um, this is absolutely my least favorite that we've watched so far. Yeah, this this one is I, pretty bad. I I think this and Hard to Kill made me the angriest, <laughs> and in hindsight. The, the thing about Hard to Kill in hindsight is that all I remember is, like, his goofy-ass beard um, <laughs> and, like, the blood good. bank the, line. The blood bank, yeah. And so I have, like, a warm feeling about Hard to Kill, but I know intellectually that I fucking hated it. Yeah. And And I have no warm feelings about this, and I really can't imagine anything about this, like, being something that stands out to me. Yeah. Cuz there really is nothing here. There's like small moments like the whole thing about um that hostage situation and the girl being like I love you Johnny after she was just held at gunpoint by him. Yeah. I did like cuz it was so fucking stupid. Right. But that's like it. There's just not enough stupid shit. <laughs> there really isn't. Um or or like fun stupid shit. It's just too much like just genuinely stupid shit. Yeah but yeah I, like hard to kill yeah yeah like hard to kill and and yeah i mean looking back at him it's like i definitely would take mark for death over this a million times easy uh easy. on deadly grounds kind of kind of tough but at the at the end of the day i'd probably take on deadly ground um the the one thing about um about last week um with our 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 good friend um <laughs> executive decision mm-hmm <laughs> Okay, yeah, our good friend. <laughs> our good friend, executive decision. Is, uh, friend of the show, friend, executive <laughs> friend decision. of the show, executive decision. Uh, you know, uh, granted, it's barely a Steven Seagal movie, but that movie is really long, and uh, yeah. and it does call into into favor for this movie, how short this movie is. I disagree. <laughs> Only because this movie felt just as excruciating as executive decision. It's true. Um, like like easily i again i know how time works i know that this does not make sense 
but I believe that the know, glimmer it, man it is just as long as executive decision. <laughs> no, it makes sense. I, I guess I, I kind of just dealt with it by looking at the time stamp on the movie every few minutes and being like, all right, I churned through another seven or eight minutes. I have, I said I have like almost three full pages of notes and that's because I have notes basically every 10 minutes going like, there's still 40 fucking minutes left. There's still 30 fucking <laughs> minutes left. How is there 20 minutes left? Yeah. 10 minutes and a bunch of question marks. I was losing it. I really was starting to fall asleep. There is zero part of that that is like hyperbole or like, you know, what a snooze fest. I was literally like, would realize my eyes were be- were shut for long periods. I, I hate, I hate the Glimmer Man. <laughs> The Glimmer Man is my greatest hit. <laughs> yeah, The Glimmer Man, uh, by absolutely no means, uh, is is in any way good. Um, this is not a good movie. So you're saying you don't recommend it? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say it. I don't recommend this movie. Um, and uh, not even just on 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 principle. Uh, I, I I I just really don't recommend this movie. You know, it's like there 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 may come a time. Well, it's not going to come a time at any point with with regard to Seagal movies. But like, if last week's movie had been good, you know, there might have been a chance I'd recommend it to somebody because it's really it's just a Kurt. Dylan. It's really just a Kurt Russell movie. It's just like Stephen. It's like Machete or something. You know, you can't tell me that no, I that you wouldn't recommend somebody Machete if if it comes out to be as good as you might remember Machete being. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. I'm. I'm just mainly fooling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's, or the Onion movie. Maybe we'll be, we'll leave big Onion movie heads. Yeah. Um, who, who's to say? Who knows? But for right now, um, uh, n- neither on principle or merit is there anything recommendable about the Steven Seagal filmography. Uh, there's, there's truly nothing here. And um, I have a feeling that in 48 weeks I'm going to be telling you that again. <laughs> but uh for the time being yeah Ugh, would not recommend this movie all right and that is the glimmer man with every every uh ounce of effort that it took yeah and it was a lot this week <laughs> we did do an episode on the glimmer man Oof. um you won't hear a lot of people say that that's probably true <laughs> because unless you're doing a uh steven seagal podcast or maybe a steven tobolowski podcast i can't imagine why you would talk about the glimmer man for more than you had to yeah. or a trevor Rabin um, podcast. i guess yeah i guess that's true um so speaking of unless you got is there anything else that you want to say about this fucking movie absolutely not good okay um so yeah trevor Rabin did the uh well okay actually i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) rewind i'm gonna introduce this segment a different way okay um last week we played a a new game called what steven is this and it uh was a huge hit swept the nation yeah um well my uh everybody my come from behind victory at the end um yeah yeah i've been kind of lionized uh uh, (laughs) after after the episode i appreciate um, all the positive uh, remarks that we got uh, for that uh, for that segment. That was a pretty wild pull. I have no idea how you did that. Yeah, it's you know some people are born That's with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, to keep the the fun rolling 
And because I kind of figured that in the same way, I assumed we'd have a good little bit of room to play with uh, Executive Decision. I kind of figured we'd have a little bit of room to play <laughs> after uh, the Glimmer Man. Sure. So I do have a new game for us. And uh, this one's called... Uh, <laughs> it's called... Uh, Steven destroys Steven Seagal Jackoff. <laughs> Great. Uh, also just known as the Steven Seagal Jackoff for short. Yeah. Uh, so Trevor Rabin did the, uh, the score for The Glimmer Man. Indeed he did. And he also did the score for 2003's Kangaroo Jack. Um, so... <laughs> What uh, the way you play Steven Skull's jack off <laughs> is? Um, I'm going to. <laughs> I have five different Steven Seagal movies we've watched. Yep. And you're going to tell me if you think they grossed domestically in the United States more or less money than Kangaroo Jack did. Okay. All are adjusted for inflation. All, uh, okay, adjusted for inflation. So. Here's the question. Am I allowed to know? Because I don't know. I have no idea. The answer is already no, okay. but you can ask. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I have no idea how much any Seagal movie has grossed besides the one we just watched. Cause I know- you do know how much this one grossed. Yeah, it's like $20 million or whatever. Um, it's not one of them, so it doesn't matter. Okay, but it's I do just- know how much this one grossed. But I don't know how much any of the other ones grossed. But I also have no idea how much Kangaroo Jack grossed. So am I allowed- I thought that's what you were going to ask, is how much Kangaroo Jack grossed. That, is what I, but- that was exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah, the answer is no okay. to any of them. You just have to assume, do you think that more, pe- <laughs> more or less people went to see it than they did go to see Kangaroo Jack? And then also that means you have to try and figure out and, and assume how much people went to see Kangaroo Jack. Well, I, I will say this about Kangaroo Jack. Is I feel like a lot of people know Kangaroo Jack. I feel like, I, I feel like that's a movie that has some... No, not well, not notoriety, but you know, pe- people know about Kangaroo Jack. I guess I, I don't know anybody that knows any of the Seagal movies we've seen. So, anyway, let's uh, let's let's get into it. Okay. So first off, above the law, do you think it grossed more or less than Kangaroo Jack? I think it grossed less than Kangaroo Jack. You are correct. Nice. Above the law grossed forty million dollars. After inflation. In the U.S. In the U.S. This is all domestic. Okay, $40 million. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Absolutely. All right. You ready for round two? Absolutely. Hard to kill. I think hard to kill grossed more. You are correct. Woo! All right. Hard to kill grossed $95 million. All right. Out for justice. Less. You are correct again. Dude, I'm killing it. Out for Justice grossed 74 million. You've already won because there's five. So you've already gotten three out of five. I've got the majority. So now now it's just uh just for fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> under Siege. Okay. I feel like Under Siege ha- has to have grossed more. But I'm gonna think about it for a second, because it feels like a trick question. Okay. We'll just sit in utter silence. Uh but you, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> We love dead air here. Um, you know what? No, fuck it. I'm going to say Under Siege grossed less than Kangaroo Jack. Incorrect. Damn. Under Siege grossed $154 million. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. I got into my own head a little bit there. I, I started thinking, like, 
maybe Under Siege like wasn't that popular, but people like went back and was like, hey, actually this one wasn't that bad. You know, other Seagal podcasters like us. <laughs> um, but okay, I was wrong. <clears throat> All right, last one. Final question of Steven Seagal's Jack Off. Under Siege Two. Uh, less. Correct. Nice. Eighty-five million. That's actually a lot more than I expected. With uh, inflation, Kangaroo Jack grossed domestically $93.75 million. It's tight, man. It's a tight race there for a lot of those. Hard to Kill is only 95. Um, I did it for like literally every movie we've watched and just sort of narrowed it down to five. Um, I'm pretty sure Marked for Death made like 93.5 or something. Mm -hmm. One of them was like super close. I don't remember what made me choose the ones I did, but... You have one Steven Seagal's jack off. Um, this might be a, a prize I'm even more happy about than last week's. <laughs> I think last week's was much more impressive. Yeah, I, I do. I do too. Or, I, I, okay. I, I don't know how I managed to get any of them right last week. Okay. Um, well, let's go on to why everyone's here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting with, with bated breath through the jack off for... Yeah. <laughs> Um, for this this we, final segment here we do need um we need like a good name we just we're always like dive db trivia we need a better name for it but yeah um this is our 10th episode wow 10th 10th anniversary here at I know. Uh, Stephen destroy uh, a decade yeah <laughs> we've been doing this 10 full years um so one piece of trivia for the glimmer man um and that's that's this is all I have, okay. Because uh, I already brought up the Trevor Raven thing, um, but according to Keenan Ivory Wayans, one time during production, after waiting for a long time for Steven to finally show up on the set, and then it says in parentheses, he was known for not caring for the time when filming was to start and would always show up very late. God. Uh, but Steven showed up with some script and said how it was the greatest script he ever read in his entire life. When Wayans asked him who wrote it, Seagal responded by saying, I did. <laughs> so, Which, uh, that's it. yeah, I mean, this seems here to be like when we're kind of hitting peak, uh, difficult to work with Seagal. Because I, I feel like there's been kind of like mumblings of it, grumblings of it up until this 10th episode here. But like, I think that maybe his dying star is beginning to, to really weigh on him. Um, and uh i i feel like he he has hit like full-on just fucking asshole mode um he he we have one more movie before we are in direct to dvd town pretty astounding so we are we are at like the the you were talking about his star falling i mean we're pretty much there yeah we are pretty much there we're, pre- we're basically at rock bottom now um and it's kind of kind of incredible um uh it, it makes sense you know watching these movies it makes absolute sense um that these movies uh suck so much <laughs> and yeah. uh he sucks so much in them and you know <clears throat> it's it's steven seagal and and so it's it's easy to uh not want to root for him but um you know, I just, you watch every one of these movies and there's, there's true, he truly never improves, um, in, in his, his craft. 
Um, and he's one of these guys. He's one of these action guys. He's one of these guys with fighting and martial arts background, you know, much more so than an acting one. And this is a guy who would have really needed to work on the acting part of it, you know, um, cause this is, this is the era of, of the Schwarzeneggers and Stallones and things like that. And he just, um, I mean, those guys, those guys can just make it on charisma alone, man, on, on, on muscles alone. But, uh, Steven absolutely cannot. And, uh, and he's looking rough in this one. We didn't address it. Yeah. But he hasn't he gone is... goatee mode yet, but we're, no, we're waiting. He's not gone goatee mode, but he is looking rough. Yeah. Um, and so last week, our trivia we added for executive decision, which was an alternate version of the movie was shot where Steven Seagal survives as producers didn't want him to throw a fit that his character dies. He still does not know the actual plot of the movie because Seagal famously does not watch movies. Yeah. And uh, this piece of trivia was declined. Whoa. Maybe they're starting to catch on, man. It was not accepted for the reason unable to verify wow well at least they were able to verify all of our other ones <laughs> i think we flew too close to the sun with it i think we included too much stuff yeah yeah we made that one pretty um, fucking bizarre yeah but i was so thrown off by this that i did kind of go back just to make sure that the rest of our trivia um has remained mm-hmm. and our trivia for hard to kill was removed oh no our trivia was after seeing the final cut of the film, Kelly LeBrock filed for divorce from Steven Seagal immediately. <laughs> and it was removed. Everything else still up, but they did catch on for Hard to Kill. And I think we flew too close to the sun with executive decision. So we're going to have to rein it in this week. Yeah, we'll have to be a little, to, a little bit more tame about this one. Yeah, we're going to have to see if we can you know, sneak it in, make sure that they aren't like monitoring my email address. Yeah. I'm going to have to make a bunch of fake IMDb accounts. <laughs> Um, well, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is time for the week of the anti-trivia, man. This is, this this is time for us to put, uh, something, uh, pretty disinteresting and, and, uh, you know, this one will be directed more towards IMDb than, uh, than towards, uh, the general Steven Seagal, uh, uh, Steven Destroy culture here. But, you know, unless you got something good in mind. I don't really. I don't really have anything. Yeah, because there's yet. really nothing particularly interesting <laughs> about this movie. No, there's there's really not. Um, you know, I I think that maybe it would be, uh, maybe there's some sort of angle of uh, uh Stephen, um, potentially being part of scary movie, but uh, but it but him not liking the script or something. I don't know. I like the idea of imagining Steven Seagal in a scary movie, but <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a good kind of way to go. Yeah, we could do scary movie. Um, let me pull up. <laughs> let me look at the timeline real quick because we gotta we gotta try and make it a little you know plausible. Sure. So this was 96. Scary Movie, I want to say, was 2001. Yeah. Or no, it was probably 2000. I'm pretty sure it's the 20th anniversary of Scary Movie this year. Um, I don't know why I, I know that. I was going to say, like, how are you celebrating? I, I am 100% positive. Um, yeah, I was correct. 2000. So it was four years. 
Um, now, hmm. What if we said, here, I think I have one that might be good. Give it to me. Okay. Steven Seagal was such a f- Steven, hold on. <laughs> Steven Seagal was such a fan of Scary Movie that he still had Wayne's phone number and called him after seeing the movie to tell him how much he loved it or something along those lines. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. That reels it in that uh you know, that's not really crazy. That is that is believable. I think that this is a good one. All right. How about this? After Wayne's directorial debut. <laughs> Scary movie premiered. Steven called his former co-star to tell him how much he loved the movie. Very tame. Definitely not going to be in our uh, coffee table book we release of all of our favorite trivia we did. Yeah. But... I think it's a good one to make sure that we're like back on track. Yeah. <laughs> and that they that they aren't like again watching my email address and trying to like stop us. Yeah, I mean I can only imagine the horror if if there is somebody watching your email address that that sees every every weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just add a single fake Steven Seagal trivia. Yeah, it must be a horrifying sight if there is somebody watching. All right. We're pending. Beautiful. I'm going to try and keep an eye on it and see if we can get an on-air update. Well, and so there it is. We're, we're going to get into the uh, to the sentencing now. Um, this should be bomb. this should be an interesting one. I'm I'm just gonna pop right in. Yeah. Uh, fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is definitely a rough one. Fifteen years feels good. Steven deserves it. I know it's gonna get worse, but I hated this fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm gonna go through with a solid. Uh, I'm gonna give him eight for this one. Hmm. I think I think eight uh, feels about right for me. Hmm. This uh, <laughs> this movie was technically, by the laws of nature, a short movie, um, and it was a real movie. And uh, as much as I hated it, uh, I feel as though those are commendable aspects of uh, of this podcast. So uh, I won't give him. Um, the uh, Roseanne tier sentencing today. Um, he will, he'll get a, a nice solid uh, round eight from me. All right. So Steven's current sentence, two consecutive life sentences plus 177.5 years. Hey, he's earned them. <laughs> he's earned every fucking year. Um, <laughs> Um, should I just stop asking about the motherfucker count? <laughs> yeah, at this point, he destroys more convenience stores than uh, times he says motherfucker. But you know, in this movie, he was, uh, you know, he was zen, man. He didn't, uh, he didn't get angry. Uh, 
you know that was his that was his character's whole bit you know really the motherfucker count would be kind of redundant in this in this film we we don't we didn't even need to didn't even need to to look its its direction today um but uh yeah he does destroy a lot of people's livelihoods uh in these movies uh, a lot of very innocent uh store owners uh get hit very hard by the hurricane that is steven seagal uh, i think we get hit the hardest <laughs> Yeah. All right. We're good. We're back in. Glimmerman trivia approved. Hell yeah. I'm definitely next week. I will update if it stays. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that they were able to approved. verify it. Yeah. Um, okay. And so next week we can have a little bit more room to play with uh, Fire Down Below. There, which there, there is... truly is. <laughs> yep. Steven's theatrical swan song. I mean, I think he's he's he does like other theatrical movies, um, like actual leading roles in them after this, but it's the last one before he takes his first step to direct to, to DVD. Yeah, it's it's the last time that we will see Steven before he enters the great beyond. Yeah, before we're really like uh, we're out of the prologue stage. Yeah, and th- this really is. This is the prologue. This is just the beginning. Um, really, these episodes could all just be kind of released together. The first eleven episodes could all just kind of be released together as like the well, the first twelve episodes, I guess. Is because uh, after Fire Down Below, we're doing My Giant, which is a Billy Crystal movie with a Steven Seagal cameo. So. I'll have a lot of games for that week. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe sure. maybe we'll do something special. Maybe I'll think of some some ways to kind of spice that up. Yeah, for sure. Because um, if we, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it'll go. Yeah, but we'll do that. We'll do those first twelve episodes, and, and they'll really just be referred to as like you know these are the early years. This is the this is the the pre this is the pre Stephen Destroy era. Honestly, uh, I mean Stephen is still very much destroying quite often, and he is destroying. He's destroying a lot of the movies that he's in, but I would argue he's destroyed every single one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, the only thing he hasn't destroyed is is the Roseanne episode. That Roseanne episode, he was actually the best part of. Um, and and that's, I that's, I don't know if I would use that terminology. Yeah, but I would argue that he is the least like offensive, offensive, <laughs> the most palatable part, the most palatable part. Uh, yeah, him and the uh, the the fake Hillary Clinton, um, are the yeah, the top two. I guess that's fine too. Yeah, well, she, no, that was goofy. Stephen was, yeah. Stephen was per usual nothing. Hillary Clinton thing was goofy, so you, you, yeah, you kind of pick your poison yeah. there. Um, but yeah, the real fun begins in a couple of weeks, uh, when we do hit that direct to DVD, and and there's nobody watching him anymore. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> nobody but us. A private show from Steven just for yeah, us. It's closed caption TV. And Steven's taking us into the back room. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we uh we can't wait to to share in that experience with the uh the Seagal uh the Steven Steven destroy heads. Yeah, uh, not the Seagal heads. We're we're very much yeah. at odds with them. Fuck them. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, you got anything left to say on this thing, man? Or we about ready to tap out of here? I mean, yeah, we've already kind of gone over where we're at right now. Yeah. 
Um, at least I did, and I feel like you kind of summed it up that you're <laughs> you're just trying to get to the direct DVD. I really um, am, because I just feel like that's gonna be such a like I've already used the metaphor, but such like a monkey's paw. Like, be careful what you wish for. I just think they're all gonna be like this. I I just <laughs> I really do. I think that we will probably just like statistically have to have a couple out for justices. Yeah. But I think it's going to be uh, find the out for justice in the glimmer man stack. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, we know that we know that the word justice brings good things or not. Well, not good is the wrong word, but we know that the word justice brings at least conversational things uh, between urban justice and out for justice. Um, of course, I, I think urban justice is the only, only direct to DVD direct to DVD movie that I've seen and remember anything from. Um, I've, I got a couple. I got a couple in here that I am not looking forward to, and uh, and we're looking forward to to not looking forward to that with our. Uh, with, yeah, we love <laughs> yeah. to the show. We hate to do. Yeah, we hate this show so much that we haven't even released it. Uh, but we do love to podcast, and we are good. At yes, it. and those are the two things that matter most here at Stephen Destroy. We love to podcast, and we're good at it. Um, so, uh, James, unless you got anything to add, uh, no. Uh, then that <laughs> there is nothing else <laughs> that I could possibly add. <laughs> then, then that's it for from us. Uh, unless you want to do uh, more on Alex Jones, um, I don't have uh, I don't have eighteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. Take take us out. Yeah, so. <laughs> Bring us on home before I just yeah um, snap. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll unleash my Alex Jones uh, onto the podcast unsuspectingly at the end of one of these episodes. But today, uh, spoiler alert, is not going to be one of them. So, from us here at Stephen Destroy, uh, thank you for for listening once again. Um, we can't believe you keep doing it, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I can because we love to podcast and we're good and, at it. Good night, folks. Yeah, we're good at it. Uh, so yeah, from from us to you, sincere thanks, and of course, uh, thanks for listening, motherfuckers. Why don't you take your lively chubby ass and get the fuck off my car? I'm starting to get scared. I'm starting to get scared. to see you go through puberty. I will snatch every motherfucker